sir. That elder stuff, I don't know about that. That's that that jars me every time I hear. Hallelujah. It's great to be in the house of God today. See his people. Be able to see all of you. God bless you. It's the first time for me to preach on the new pulpit topping. So thanks to Brother uh, Perriman. I don't see him here. I see his wife. Would you please tell him that like it? Hallelujah. It's great. I'd like to look to the Word of God today. There's a, there's a subject that's been rolling over in my heart. I probably would just teach a bit tonight. But I would like to teach something not in an accusative way. But I would just like to teach something because I think it's crucial to what we need to be in this day and age. And so I would like to, to preach and teach from that. And I'd like to read a passage of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm reading the very last passage of that. Some of you are standing. Let's just make it a unified thing. Let's all stand for the reading of the Word of God. God bless you. Ephesians chapter 4, the 32nd verse. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And I'd like to preach tonight, be ye kind one to another. And I believe God will help us. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Be ye kind one to another. I'm going to ask for a show of hands on a few things right at the first here. How many of you believe our world is less kind one to another than it was 20 years ago? Some of you aren't 20 years old. Part of that verse said, be tender-hearted. That means don't be hard-hearted. How many of you think that, that our world as a whole is more hard-hearted now than it was a few years back? I see some of the gray heads here your hands going up. Yes, you see this. The next part of that says forgiving one another. Do you think that we hold more grudges now today in the world? I see you. We hold grudges. We don't forgive. And so, lest you think I'm aiming at anyone in particular tonight, <laughs> I see fingers pointing at folks. If, lest you think I'm, I'm pointing my finger at someone tonight. I'm really not. But I do want to be a pilgrim and a stranger in this world. I'm just passing through here, folks. You're just passing through here, folks. There was an old song, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. This is not my home. And I don't want to adapt to nor adopt the ways of this world that are crossed with the ways of God. And so this passage of Scripture is crucial to me. Be kind one to another. Be good. Be uh, courteous uh, in three ways. Be courteous and kind in the way you look at people. I mean, I could ask you, tell me how you can look at people in an unkind manner. 
Someone tell me. How can you look at someone with an unkind manner? Try to say it. Don't do it. I see some of you screwing your face all up. You understand? No, say it with words. As we tell the children, use your words. You can use your outside voice. How can you look at someone in an unkind manner? Frowning at them. Looking at them. What does a judgmental look look like? It, it could be that you just have bad eyes and you're squinting. It could be you're looking down your nose at someone, you know, with that little haughty attitude. There are ways that we can look at people unkind. And it's a lot easier to do it than to, than to describe it. Because there's people in this room who have given other people unkind looks. I'm not saying that because I've seen you do it. I'm just saying that because I know how people are. It's hard to go a whole day without, you know, just smiling at everybody. My face hurts after a while, you know. Have you ever smiled so much your jaws actually hurt? just want to relax and frown. But they say it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. So if you must frown, turn it upside down. And then the other is not just looks, but words. You can be unkind to people with the words that you say. You know, there's, there's some exchanges that I've been a part of and, and I want to tell you about them so much. There was an exchange. I was, I was, I heard the exchange the other day. Uh, I, I don't not tell you. It was hilarious. <laughs> Sister Gail wanting to know. I want to know that dirty, dark, secret stuff. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, there, there was there was a, a a husband and wife from this church that were together. And I happened to be with them. And the, the husband, for me to really explain it, I need to tell you who it was. It happened to be the pastor and his wife. We happened to be together. We was staying at a condo in Branson so we were together so that morning the pastor shows up in the in the, the family room in the, the den of the place living room whatever you call it he shows up with a with a, a nice shirt on or whatever you know and he asked his wife is this okay you know he kind of patting his shirt is this okay and she said he was really wanting to know if it needed ironing or not you know, they, it had been folded and packed. Said, is this okay? And she said, are you going to wear that all day? He was offended. Are you going to wear that all day? So he goes back in the room and he comes back with a suit coat on this plaid, red plaid Christmas coat. You know the one I'm talking about? He comes out and that. Is this okay? She said, well, I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings. I just, 
you know, if you was just going to wear it for the 10 minutes, it didn't need ironing for that 10 minutes. But we had company coming later, and you may need to iron it if you're going to, if you're going to wear it all day. But, you know, it, he was already offended at that point. So he tried to explain himself. He said, y'all don't tell him. Saying, don't you tell <laughs> He said, what if, what if you come out in the morning and you had your hair all fixed and you said, how's my hair look? And I said, are you going to leave it like that all day? Then how would that make you feel? Well, they got over it real quickly. Everything went well and lovely, and they didn't kill each other. It was a pleasant, pleasant time. But, you know, there are some times that they, both of them said it in jest, you know. There was no barbs being thrown. <laughs> but I have heard people make those unkind remarks with, with cruelty in them. Have you ever heard somebody do that? Make a pretty slamming, hurtful remark. Now, in the book of Ephesians, just want to remind you, this was not written to the heathens of that day. The book of, of Ephesians was written to the church of Ephesus. And he's having to remind those sanctified folk. He's having to remind these Holy Ghost-filled folk, be kind. The reason he had to remind them of that is because they were not being kind. Earlier in the chapter, he says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And in the midst of those re rebuking statements, he closes, and be ye kind one to another. Tender forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So how do you be kind and tender? Well, it's in, your, it's in the way you look at people. Have you ever told your children? What does that mean? I told one of my grandsons that one time where I, I acted out and said, and he went. <laughs> I said, I'm looking at you. He said, So we can look at people with an unkind look. We can speak to people with an unkind look. But we can also do things to people that are unkind. We can look, we can say, we can do things to people that are unkind. I don't want us to be a church that's guilty of that. And I'm not preaching this because I have watched unkind looks or words or actions from you. But I think every once in a while we need to be aware we are living countercultural, counterculturally, to be correct, to this world. And the more crude, the more rude our society gets, we don't need to get just a little bit ruder. You know, they get this much ruder, 
and we get this much room. We need to practice kindness, being tenderhearted one to another. Forgiving, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. Have you ever been forgiven by Jesus Christ? God Almighty smiled down on you. He heard your repentance. He forgave you. That's a wonderful feeling. I've heard new people come to the church. They repent, and they feel that load lifted, and they are so thrilled. They don't realize the power of the Holy Ghost is, is even better than that. It's, it's all one great package. But when they get that first part, they feel that load lifted. Such a good feeling. Well, when we are forgiven by, by, by God, that's wonderful, but, but we need to forgive others as we ourselves have been forgiven. It's crucial. John chapter 13, verse 35, is a wonderful scripture. John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. I've been walking in malls, in grocery stores with my wife a lot of times, and, and someone will see her appearance and know we're different. And they will make a comment about it. They, they will say something about it. And she is so quick to engage them. I love it. She's quick to engage them back. Whenever they make that slightest little nod, she brings Jesus into it right quick. I love it. I love it. But that's really not how they know we're his disciples if we dress modest. That's a great testimony. But the Bible says they will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. How many of you have ever walked by a Pentecostal in a, in a Walmart or a mall or somewhere and they didn't even look at you? Yes. But you know what? they may have thought the same about you. They may have thought the same about you. We need to go a little overboard on being friendly. We need to have love one for another because that's how people around us know we're his disciples. And if we, if we give everybody, all the other Pentecostals we see, if we give them a cold shoulder, we're not demonstrating the love of God. So I think we need to. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, 23, there's a wonderful passage of Scripture. You read, the, read the preceding verses. I don't have time tonight to, to tell you everything from this chapter. It's a wonderful chapter. Read the preceding verses of this. But it, this kind of concluding uh, Scripture, but the fruit of the Spirit is, you can quote it with me, I hope, it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now, that is the, that's from the King James Version. King James Version, the one, two, three, four, five. The fifth fruit of the Spirit listed is gentleness. Many other translations will use the word kindness in place of the word gentleness. And in the word place of the word meekness, they will put gentleness. So when you read from other translations and understand some, some of the, the biblical definitions, 
when it uses the word gentleness, it is really meaning what we would think of today as kindness. Be ye kind one to another. If you are not kind one to another, you do not have all of the fruit of the Spirit. If I am not kind one to another, I'm not portraying or possessing the fruit of the Spirit. So we need to possess the fruit of the Spirit. There was a great uh, songwriting, musical creating duo by the name of Martin and Hammerstein. Some of you may have heard them remember something about Martin and Hammerstein. Anybody ever heard the sound of music? It's a great story. The sound of music. The very first production of it was coming on, and they were two, uh, two and a half weeks into the production, or excuse me, into the rehearsal for the production. The production was coming up. So they're two and a half weeks into the production, and, and Hammerstein discovers, finds out, he has stomach cancer. Very crucial situation, so they call for an immediate surgery couple of days later. So the day before his surgery, knowing that he has stomach cancer, knowing the mortality rate back in the day, knowing the dilemma that he's facing, one day before his surgery, he has written down on a little piece of, of paper an additional set of lyrics that he would like to have worked into the sound of music. And so he, he goes to the, to the theater where they're practicing and he just steps up to the stage door and, and someone opens for him and he hands them a sheet of paper says, give this to Mary Martin and, and I want it worked into it. I don't care where, just tell her to work it into the, into the deal. And so they did. But here's what, it, here's what it said. You know it. A bell's not a bell until you ring it. A song is not a song until you sing it. Love wasn't put in your heart to stay. Love isn't love till you give it away. Now, he wrote that about, about love, and that's, that's true. But the same thing is also true on kindness. Kindness is not just a word to describe you. Kindness is what just like love wasn't put in your heart to stay, love isn't love to you. Give it away. Kindness wasn't put in your heart just to stay there either. Kindness is there. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's there to help you to be kind one to another. Kindness is there. In an age when rudeness seems to reign, when, when being mean-spirited seems to be the attitude that everyone wants to have, when ugliness is an attitude that seems to prevail way too often, when being crude seems to be a favored expression, we ask the question, where has kindness and gentleness gone? It's a good question, I think. In, in the book of Matthew, and I would like to flip there, in the book of Matthew chapter 5, we have a, toward the first of the chapter, we have a, a, a group of scriptures that we commonly call the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes that, that Jesus taught was like the marching orders for this new for this new religion that's come to town. 
we could say it in better ways, but but there's a new way of doing things now. There's a new way. God, Jesus Christ has come to this earth. He's fulfilled the law. He's coming. He's bringing a brand new view of things. It will all culminate in, on, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus is approaching that. It's the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. But as he's, as he's gathering his group of people who are going to be the ones to carry this gospel forward, Jesus says, hey, I want us all to go to a particular place. I have some teachings that I want to give to you. I want to tell you how to do this new stuff that we're going to be doing. And so he gives them the Beatitudes. He tells them, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He tells them, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know that passage. It, it goes on. But when you look in, that, in what he's saying, he talks about those who, who mourn. He talks about those who are persecuted. He talks, he talks about several, uh, more than once he uses the word persecuted. Those that mourn, those who, who suffer. He talks about them. But then as he keeps working his way through that fifth chapter as it's divided nowadays, when he gave it, it was just a, a day of teaching on, on a, the side of a mountain somewhere. He was doing some teaching. But in that process of teaching, he works his way to the 44th verse. And that's where I would like to spend a little time today. As I was studying and preparing for, for to try to help us all get a, get a grip on being kind one to another, came across a group of articles that are going to be in the February Pentecostal Life magazine. As I was editing them and working through them, I thought, this is good stuff. I wish I had wrote that. It was good. Uh, but I want to pull some thoughts from, from these articles, and I'm, I, I won't be giving credit to it. When you get your February Herald or, or Pentecostal Life, you can read it yourself and find out who wrote what. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, and I would like to read this. This is Jesus talking. How many of you have red letter Bibles? Is this in red letter in your book? Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Now, the fact that it's red doesn't lend it any more power than if it was black. But the fact that it being red means that Jesus said it, that gives it some punch. So let's look what Jesus said, verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now that's some tough stuff. Now he's just got through saying those that mourn, they shall be comforted. Those who are persecuting, they're going to they're gonna come out on top. But you would think that after talking about the persecution, after talking about those who mourn, you would think that that he would want to punish those who did the persecution. You'd think he would want to punish those who had caused those people to mourn. You would think that he was wanting to punish those people, but instead he says, pray for them, bless them, do good to them. That's contrary to our human nature, our human will. Very contrary. It's not easy, folks, to do that. Any of you ever had someone despitefully use you?
didn't a royal indignation feel a whole lot better than a God help him? Yeah, that's that's how we are. We're kind of made that way, but it doesn't mean we're. That's a good way. Matthew chapter twenty-five, verse forty, and the king answered, or shall answer. And say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. That's a pretty stout scripture. As you've done it to one of the least of these, my brother, you've done it unto me. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love them that love them. The problem comes trying to love them that hate me. That's not easy. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He didn't know my neighbor, Brother Schumacher. No, he really did know my neighbor. That's the thing. He did know my neighbor. I've got good neighbors. Always have had, well, most of the time, I've had good neighbors. There was one that wasn't good. We prayed for him. Prayed that he'd move. He's cussing at my boys. My ball go, their ball goes in his yard, and he rants and raves and cusses and screams. And so we prayed for him that he'd move. Less than a month he did. Hallelujah. And a wonderful couple moved in taught in a Christian school. They happened to have two boys. It was almost the identical ages of my boys. It was wonderful. And nobody cared then where the footballs went. You know? <laughs> they played everywhere. It was a wonderful thing. But most of my neighbors have been very, very good. I'm glad for that. It's easy to love those that love me. But when they despitefully use you, it's a little bit different. When Jesus came though, he turned the world on, its, on the other end. He really did it better, but all of the Pharisees, all the Sadducees, all the religious people, or even all the heathens of the day, they had difficulty seeing it the way Jesus saw it. That's why he took this, this time to orient his disciples in the right way. And, and he tried to help them, to, to train them, to, to, to guide them along. But he taught that whatever we do to the least of these, we do it to him. So if I am unkind to our assistant pastor, I am being unkind to Jesus Christ. If I say of a backslider from this church, write them off. We prayed for them so many times. Write them off. I am writing off Jesus Christ. Because if I do it to the least, it's as if, it's not as if, but I am doing it unto Him. So I have to be careful how I treat other people because how I treat others is how I treat Him. My words can say one thing, but my actions say another. And Jesus looks closer than just my words. You know, it was said of him with David, he looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. It still works like that 
today. We need to trust him. He tells us to love our enemies. And if he gives us the commandment to do it, he gives us the ability to do it. He doesn't ask something of us that we cannot give ourselves. I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Those are some wonderful passages of Scripture. Bless them. Brother Riddell from Stockton, California. He's involved in the college there. He's involved in the church there. Good man. He wrote one of the, the articles that I've referenced. And he tells a story. So I'm going to try to tell it the, from his position. This did not happen to me, although it could have. But it happened to him. Brother Riddell was a, a little boy when he was young. His brother was Bob. And they were fairly close in age. And there were times that they played wonderfully, but there were times when they fought like brothers. They'd go on a trip. Y'all could say it. He's on my side of the car. Mom wants to put a piece of tape. That's how. Mom, he's looking at me. Did your children ever do that? I'm not asking if your children did it. Y'all know y'all never did that. But at, and, and it was a, it was just the, the longer the trip, the more the two boys fought and fussed. But when they would get where they were going, they get out of the car, and it is wonderful, buddies. They are, they play, they just play by the hour. Well, one particular day, they, they were they were fussing, fighting at home, and they got to fighting pretty pretty much. And they ended up under the dining room table fighting. And the dad heard the ruckus, ruckus, depending on where you're from in the country. They, they he comes running into the into the dining room where the dining table was, and he saw them just fighting and tussling underneath the table, and and. They heard him when he came, you know, so they, they, they kind of straightened up a little bit. He said, what's going on here? Well, they both started pointing. He was doing this. Bob was doing that. No, he was doing that. No, he was doing that. And they just was blaming each other for all that was happening. And in their, in their blaming and pointing fingers at each other, Bob said, it was him, Daddy, paddle him. And so Dad, he had a paddle because he heard the ruckus, ruckus, depending on what part of the country. So he grabbed his paddle. And, and he started paddling Brother Riddell. And Bob over here was smiling. He was triumphant over, over his dilemma, his brother's dilemma. Well, Brother Riddell didn't like that. So after he, the paddling was over, he said, but Daddy, it was really him. Paddle him. So Dad said, okay. So Dad started paddling him. And after paddling a while, Bob said, no, no, Daddy, it was really him. Okay. So he's over here paddling, paddling Bill. And he said, him, him. And so he goes over here, okay. So he's paddling him. No, it was him, Daddy. And that went on for several rounds. And after a while, Dad said, well, who should I paddle next? And they both pointed at the other one and said, Daddy, don't paddle him. Please don't paddle him. He said, you know, we, Dad started laughing after that. But we learned a huge lesson. 
we learn that the more we hurt our brother, the more we're hurt. That's a great lesson to learn. I wouldn't, have to, wouldn't want to have to learn it that way necessarily. A great lesson to learn. But as he grew older, he found an additional lesson in that. The more I bless my brother, the more I'm blessed. Because we're all part of the body. And as part of the body, we, we have benefits one to another. And if we hurt our, our brother, we're hurting ourselves. So when it says to be kind one to another, that is just kindness is going to come back to us. I know some of you don't know Brother Arliss Glass. I may have told you this before. Brother Arliss Glass, he's still living. You remember him, Brother Harold? Brother Arliss Glass, for many years, many years, he was over all of our Bible college coordinating their efforts, and he was also our chaplain for the army for the armed services. He was the chaplain coordinator, and if anybody wanted to become a chaplain, they had to work with him, through him. He was the governmental endorsing agent. He was a great man, had a pastor at a great church in Pasadena, Texas. Wonderful man. But he had a he had a little he had a little nervous twitch. You'd be talking to him. He'd go, how you doing, Brother Glass? Doing good. He always wore cowboy boots. One day, one of the woman, women in the church said, Brother Glass came up to him, brought, dragging a little boy by the hand, drug him up to the, Brother Glass was standing by the altar. And she said, Brother Glass, you've got to help me. I said, why is that? He said, because my son wants to wear cowboy boots to Sunday night service all the time. Brother Glass says, well, I don't know if I can help you, sister, because he had his boots on. Brother Glass was a great man. But one time, him and a group of the guys from, from headquarters, we were going to, a, to a, a, a city. Every year we have a general conference somewhere where before time, somebody from the office goes and tours the city, tours the hotel, tours the, the, exhibi the, the, exhibi what is it? the exhibition hall, whatever you call it, conference center, tour everything to see how it all is going. I went one time, and I got to stay in the same hotel with Tiny Tim. Wasn't that great? He was weird. He was tipping toeing through the tours. So we were all walking down the sidewalk, and it was, it was right at the time of day when everybody was getting off work. And so the sidewalks were filled with people. We were walking down, people everywhere, people everywhere. And, and somebody said, you know, this is the most unfriendly city I've ever been. I'm walking down this, and, and everybody is frowning. It's, it's awful. Brother Glass said, well, I haven't experienced that. Everybody I meet is nodding at me. They're all nodding at me. <laughs> you know, a lot of times what you put out comes back to you. Don't tell Brother Glass either. I love Brother Glass. I've given him jars of figs that my mother has had preserved, and he loved them. Every time he sees me, where's my figs? My mother's dead. No more figs. Hmm. 
Love your enemies. This is New King James. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That word, the words, despitefully use you, that's a tough set of words, despitefully use you. Because when they use you, they take something from you. And as they rob from you and take from you, those who despitefully use you may take your joy in their critical spirit, in critical words, critical look, critical actions. They're robbing something from you. They may rob contentment from you. They may rob peace from you. But in their treating you unkindly, in their treating you despitefully, they are robbing you. But you know what the Bible says to do? What do you have to do to those who despitefully use you? You pray for them. Pray for them. That's not easy. There's certain prayers that we could that we could pray for them, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we still hated him, that's what sinners do. He died for us. So he gave us a very good example of what we should do, what we could do, pray for them, which despitefully use you. You remember the story of Joseph, and I'm racing the clock. You remember the story of Joseph in the Bible? Do you think he was ever despitefully used? His brother sold him. Any of you ever been sold? No. And they were so they sold him for less than the price of a slave. Deuteronomy tells us the price of a slave is 30 pieces of silver. They sold him for 20 pieces of silver. He didn't even get the price of a, of a good slave. They cheated themselves on that. They sold him. He goes on into the, into the well. They pull him up and they make the deal and they sell him. He goes off. He's a, he's a servant in Potiphar's house. He does rise to the top. He's a good guy makes him ruler over the whole house. And then the wife makes advances for him and he turns her away and she don't like that, doesn't like that. And so he gets sent in prison after she lies on him. Now he's in prison for a while and, and two different people said, oh, we'll remember you when we come back. Well, they came back and, and they never remembered him for a long time. Finally, the king had a dream that said, can somebody, oh yeah, there was a guy back in prison. They remembered at that point. And so he goes to the king, tells him the dream and, and then he becomes ruler over Egypt. He's able to, at that point, gather food for the, the famine that's coming, but his brothers come. And at a time when he could have gotten revenge on them, instead he practiced, be ye kind one to another. And he told him, them some famous words. The thing that you meant it for evil for me, God meant it for good. And there's a lot of times that people may despitefully use you but if instead of, instead of returning evil for evil, you can return good for evil. Do you remember a man by the name of Paul? Paul was a man who, who put Christians to death. He was trying to do it because he was a good, 
loyal follower of Jehovah, but he was all messed up with that. But he was putting Christians to death. He was cursing them to death. Later on, though, he became an evangelist for the gospel's sake. But what would have happened if, if, if the Christians that he was cursing, what if they gave him back the same kind of cursing that he was giving them? He was using them despitefully, and yet they prayed for him. And he was able to return good back to the kingdom of God. There's people in your life, there's people in my life, that we need to treat them better. We need to be kind and tenderhearted one to another. Shall we stand? There's a lot more that we could say. But I think you got the point. I think you got the point. Anybody want to be a little kinder this week? Help me be a little kinder. Help me to be a little meeker to the brother who is weaker. There's an old song. I'm not going to sing it. 